0: I'm happy to say that speaking is a skill that anyone can learn. Yes, even you. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. My name is Kat Matson, and welcome to Speaking with Confidence. Well, welcome. Welcome to another episode of Speaking with Confidence with Kat Matson. I'm Kat, and it is fantastic to have you here today to talk to a conference. Producer, a conference curator, around what she's looking for when she's looking for speakers to fill her stage. But before I introduce my guest, how are you? How are you today? What are you up to? I hope you're having a fantastic day doing whatever it is that you're doing, and that I hope that as you tune in to listen to this episode, perhaps I can invite you into a space of asking yourself. How might I increase my professional profile? How might I find speaking engagements or opportunities to progress my career? Or how might I even just start thinking about what might need to happen to do that? Because that's exactly what this episode is all about today. In today's episode, I'm talking with a long-term friend, and colleague of mine, Nadine Zrinzo, who is the co-founder of Bright Humans. Now, Nadine has been bringing experiences to life for over 20 years across Australia, Asia, Europe, and the US. And at Bright Humans, Nadine takes on the role of the lead project manager and the chief content curator. What I love about working with Nadine is that she has a penchant for leave no detail unturned. Leave no detail spared, in fact and she brings to all of the events that she touches extraordinary skills and particular magic because you see Nadine's superpower it's curating event programs and then pairing the program with some of the most outstanding speakers on the planet but they're speakers that you have likely never heard of and in fact that's exactly what I talked to Nadine about in this episode. So sit back, enjoy and listen into, listen into what Nadine has to say about who she's really looking for and how people get on her radar because I promise it's actually going to surprise you. So here's my interview with Nadine Rinzo. Nadine welcome welcome to speaking with confidence I'm pretty pumped for this episode so thank you for joining me oh, thank you for having me Kat always happy to chat <laughs> well this chat's pretty cool I think for this audience because I haven't yet had somebody on the show who is a professional speaker seeker somebody like you who goes and finds people to speak on stages so I've given everybody a bit of an introduction about what you do from a professional context, but let's kick us off. What makes you different when it comes to being a conference producer and a speaker seeker? What do you, what do you do different to what many in your industry do?
1: I love that speaker seeker. I'm going to start uh, adding it on to my uh, job titles. Um, So we, we work, with a handful of clients and we often, we also run a couple of our own events. So we also we tend to have quite a bit of control on the programming we put together. Now, in terms of difference, most of it is the way we approach the program. So we have a program first approach, which means that we come up with the content first and then we go and look for speakers. So for us, what's important is to find people who can talk to the specific topics and sometimes that means that they have to go out of their comfort zone or they have to think laterally which makes the content very unique with a lot of uh, people i suppose in our in a similar space or similar role they often open calls for speakers and ask speakers to submit um, abstracts and anything else they want to talk about and what happens with that the problem with that is that you end up with very cookie-cutter uh, sessions because someone goes to speak to this event, that session, and then go, takes the same session and goes to speak somewhere else. So I, I feel like our methods um, ends up with a more unique and also tailored content or program to the audience.
0: That also means that the pressure then is on you to find <laughs> people who can speak to the content but also can speak well, right?
1: yeah that's a tough one sometimes and sometimes you have to sacrifice one for the other Um, it's always it's pretty hard like we ran something digital last week and we had 91 speakers so it's obviously hard to find out whether all 91 speakers are uh, good at speaking with confidence so so to say for using your words so sometimes you take you 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 hedge your bets right like I I'm always keen to make sure that our keynote speakers, for example, um, do have that ability to speak well on stage beyond just the content. But with a lot of the others, uh, it, it becomes a bit harder to actually work through.
0: So what are you looking for when you're looking at, for example, those keynote speakers? How do you, how do you tell that they can speak on stage well? Because I'm guessing you're not travelling the world Um, to all these different conferences to see them speak on stage, are you?
1: Well, that would be nice. I'm happy to, I'm open to working, talking to, you know, seeing how that can happen. No, no. um, So look, when we're looking for, we generally look for international keynotes. So we bring uh, people from obviously overseas into Australia to push the boundaries of what our audience is thinking around their digital futures in this particular case. Mm-hmm. So, I'm looking for generally younger type speakers and the reason why is that I end up tempting them with a holiday to Australia, right? Come over, i pay your flight, talk for an hour and go and lie on the beach somewhere and that mm. tends to work. Nice. But I'll also do that. people <laughs> oh, <yeah>. oh, welcome. <laughs> but also people who are not necessarily on the common speaker circuits, uh, but to have something really interesting to talk about. So they won't be household names. There's no Obama or, <laughs> or Clinton or anything of the sort, beyond the fact that we obviously can't afford them. They, <laughs> th- their names won't mean anything, but their content will, um, will blow minds and will r- remain remembered by the audience.
0: It's very true. Having been to almost all of the Something Digitals, that is exactly true of your keynote speakers. So, how do you, well, from a speaking perspective, like you, you can tell how you can tell somebody's content by looking at what they've read, what they're posting on social media. But how do you gauge whether they're a good speaker? What are the what are the specific speaking skills you're looking for?
1: So look, with the international keynotes, I will hopefully find something online that has them speaking, right? Because there are YouTube videos or obviously a lot of um, Zoom events type thing or online events at the moment. So you can't kind of get a, get a gauge. If, and if I mm-hmm. don't find that information, then to me, that's a red flag. Yeah, right. Um, locally, it becomes a bit harder. Um, of course, some people, yes, do have, have videos up there and that kind of thing. So that's great. A lot of speakers I've heard before, so again, I have an idea of, of what their speaking style is like. Um, but beyond that, it actually gets hard to work out on paper whether they're going to be good or not. Though, you know, you do have conversations with them on the phone, uh, you can kind of judge the way they tackle the topic that you kind of presenting in front of them, the way they they, they talk to it or they say they can't talk to it or that that kind of stuff. so that that helps but yeah it's not it's not quite a foolproof uh system
0: i want to pick up and just make really clear to listeners too what you just said around there will generally be some content online whether it's an instagram reel or a facebook live mm-hmm. or a youtube video there will be something that demonstrates the expertise um and I think the reason I want to call that out is because I think we underestimate that a lot of the time. I think we underestimate that just those small little snippets, even if it's only a thirty-second reel, like it, it it demonstrates more than just content, right?
1: Oh yeah, the content is immaterial at that point, right? If you're testing someone's ability to speak with to speak with confidence, to speak in general, even you want to, it's silly stuff like mumblers <laughs> are one of those speak like one of those speaker types that you just cannot fix uh people who just mumble it to themselves or into the microphone and until you're having a conversation with them or you're actually seeing them on stage like you can't tell so there mm. are the contents kind of neither here nor there but their ability to project to put sentence sentences together easily to not mm and ah all the time things like that
0: What do you do when you find someone who is obviously very knowledgeable and they have the content that you want on your stage, but they're not confident enough to hold a keynote position? What do you do with those people?
1: Okay, so there's a lot of prep that goes on our side to make sure that the speakers are as comfortable as possible on stage, so we make so beyond the logistical elements explaining what's audiovisual equipment they've got uh, how the day will run how much time they have and all that kind of stuff which is obviously important but we push that aside i do i check that i ask for draft slide decks for example beforehand and that gives me a really good understanding of what they're going to be talking about even though at the moment it's a bit harder because there's obviously the trend of having just photos. Right. But it still helps. And I often get the opportunity to change the content from there. For example, silly example, we had uh, one of our speakers uh, last week was a research scientist. Right. So very, very scientifically minded. And the slide that came in and it was really speaking to a scientific audience. There was it wasn't speaking it wasn't speaking English right like it wasn't it didn't have that kind of obvious explanation data, data, of what things are. yeah it was quite so I had this conversation with them and I explained things and then the and they spoke to a few colleagues and the version that came after that was perfect as was the talk so that I hold a lot of value on that slide deck um, we That's did fascinating
0: also, mm. <laughs> because yeah, I, well you'd, you'd, I'm a big fan of not leaning on your slide deck but for you as a producer you're using the slide deck as an indicator of whether or not your speakers have hit the mark because you you can interpret well in this case whether it's too research heavy whether there's not enough substance because it's all photos whatever the case may be yeah and it could be
1: silly stuff like if it's if they're talking for 20 minutes and there are 60 slides you question that right or vice (laughs) vice versa so And I always preface it by saying, look, you might be covering this in your talk. I obviously don't know, but I reckon you should be adding A, B, C in. And that gives Mm -hmm. me that excuse to kind of go, you know, even if they're not adding it in now that I've mentioned it, they will.
0: Yeah, nice. So, what, what about um, different formats like panels or fireside chats or little mini interviews? Is that a good way for not so confident or not so polished speakers to start getting their one, get their experience up, but to showcase awesome minds who aren't yet ready to hold the stage for 45 minutes on their own?
1: Oh, definitely. I reckon any opportunity to go on a stage and practice is completely valuable. And that's, I reckon, how you get better at speaking in public, right? By just practice, practice, practice. Um, I, yes, would say panels are a great opportunity because you're not the only person up there. You're generally speaking in short snippets. There isn't much to say because time flies past. and, um, And the pressure is kind of obviously a bit diminished. The other thing I'll say with panels and these kind of conversations is you have to learn to be succinct and bring your, like, put your message across in a really easy, short, uncomplicated way, which some people uh, do struggle with. So there's that element. But from a confidence perspective, I reckon, yeah, definitely go for it.
0: Mm, I do like that. Do you ever use that as a conference, conference producer? You can see that you've got talent, but they're not ready to do the keynote. So you say, you know what, let me put you into a panel or let me do a fireside chat with you.
1: Oh, definitely. All the time. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah that said, yeah.
1: it. it doesn't mean that all the people in the panels aren't great, right? <laughs> so, I was just about to say, all the people who are in my panels,
0: say, yeah, that's not because you weren't good enough. It's just because you fit better. Well, <laughs> What um, I often think that people misunderstand what an awesome keynote speaker looks like because we hold people like the Obamas or the Clintons or the Brene Browns, all of those big name speakers, we, we think that they're the pinnacle. But some of the best speakers I've ever seen on a conference stage don't even come close to that level of polish but there's something about them, what do you think it is that makes an awesome conference speaker or keynote speaker? What, what is it? And I guess the, what I'm looking for here is what can our listeners be working on rather than thinking that they need to be, you know, a, a $50,000 appearance yes. speaker?
1: Yeah, the fifty thousand dollar price tag is often a, a tough one to swallow, especially if you're um, a small business or a, a, an NGO or anything of the sort. And sometimes I feel like the speakers you pay for don't necessarily deliver as much as the va- you know the value that you are you are paying out there. So I don't think anyone, should, I don't think we like normal people, so to speak, should be comparing ourselves to uh, yeah to those. Obviously, well rehearsed, well practiced speakers. Look, I think the best tip, and I suppose uh, way to look at it is, you need to be personable on stage. You need to be funny or have some shock factor, or and be confident and be vulnerable. Like you don't have to present a polished polished you know, uh, veneer of what you're talking about. You are human. You um, will, obviously, as I'm doing now, you will forget things. Uh, you will be nervous. Sometimes the most, even the most seasoned speakers uh, are often very nervous because I obviously see speakers before they go on stage. And uh, it often impresses me how it's not just the younger ones or maybe the ones who don't have experience, but even the ones who have a lot of it, they'll get nervous. So yeah, I reckon you just need to lean into that human element, right? People want to learn from you. You're on stage because you've obviously got some sort of uh, kudos in whatever area you're talking about. People want to hear from you. They want to learn from your experience. Um, They want to learn from your successes, but also from your mistakes. And I think this is really important because speakers often shy away from the mistakes because they don't want to be seen as, I don't know, having failed at something. But um, really, that's where a lot of the value comes in, I reckon. If more more speakers shared more mistakes, it would uh, create better content.
0: Yeah, right. And what I heard there was vulnerability and my um, equation on that is the authenticity as well. It's not about um, being perfectly polished and it's not even necessarily about your information, right? Because the information can be Googled. It's how you present it and the perspective that you bring to it, and the I don't know the personality that you bring. That's why you want to listen to somebody rather than just read read a blog.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and that face to face element, right? Like you have the person in the room. You can have, assuming it's a face to face event, you can approach them, of course, have a conversation with them. It's something that you can't just get from a YouTube video.
0: Yeah, love that. So. In the time that I've known you, I've seen you take to the stage more yourself. You now are the you're the MC for the opening and closing blocks of something digital. What have you done to work on your speaking skills?
1: <laughs> uh, not much, I reckon. Um,
0: <laughs> well, the I honesty,
1: have, <laughs> I have watched you for uh, many, many years. So there's a lot I picked up from uh from that there's a lot i pick up from watching lots of other speakers i have to admit you and because i obviously watch i'm, I'm obviously at events a lot so I, I get to see more than i suppose the average person would mm. but you learn from not only what obviously other speakers are doing right but of course what they're doing wrong you know you go oh my god that was that was terrible you know i definitely don't want to do that on stage um i also i've been uh like, I started speaking since from the age of 17 or so through mm-hmm. student organizations at, at high school and university. And then, obviously, through my job, there was kind of a hiatus in the middle, but any opportunities I get to uh, speak in public, I generally tend to take. I also, because I run my own business, then uh, there are obviously opportunities for me to be a bit more actually i have to be more assertive in meetings mm. so that's another opportunity you're not necessarily uh, presenting a talk but you do need to sell ideas uh, in, in very in often very short amounts of time so that's mm-hmm. also good practice so so yeah and of course i've, I've heard you speak I've, what, I've been to a couple of your sessions um and those elements are also very very important so you need to be you have that experiential element where you're on stage you have that watching others and learning Mm -hmm. from others like we do when we read blogs and so on obviously right and then you have that formal education which if you can uh, get even in terms of tips and numbers you know like it should be one slide a minute you know what are you doing Uh, just little things like that um, are are pretty important
0: yeah now one slide a minute some of my listeners are gonna go, What? That's a lot. Is that for a keynote? Is that for an online? Is that the Nadine rule?
1: Uh, someone had told it to me a while ago and I was really stuck, stuck with me, right? Like, oh, look, and this yeah. is on average. Yeah. So it says if you have twenty minutes, then you should roughly have twenty slides. If you yeah. have five, uh, or a hundred, there's obviously an issue somewhere. <laughs> and again, it gives me that excuse to kind of go, uh, why do you only have four slides? are you mm. you know some people click very quickly? Well but- yeah, it, it actually works.
0: Yeah, and you're right. It does work. Um, I will often run with less slides because I'm far, far more confident than I think most to stand and riff without the AV support. But anytime I see anybody with, yeah, what would be the equivalent of five slides per minute, I'm like, whoa, baby. And then they say, I'm just trying to squeeze all of this in. I might have to talk really fast. I'm like, no, no, take it out. We're not, we're not having you talk really fast. Because you won't and then you'll go over time or you won't land your messages um i want to come back to something that you actually just said around you watch people and you watch what they do wrong as well as watch what they do right <laughs> what's one thing that you've seen others do and you go oh i will never do that
1: so i think reading your speech is a is a bad one um and sometimes the most seasoned people do that, which is...
0: Why is that, do you think? What happens? I reckon
1: it's one of those, obviously, politicians read their speeches. Um, and I re- most of the time, not all, actually. Yep. I've seen, yep. uh, seen some, particularly on the local level, that are a bit more off the cuff. Yep. I, I reckon because the more senior you are, and if you've got shareholders and stakeholders and other things where your message can be misinterpreted, the reading becomes a way of controlling the yep. PR kind of elements,, yep. which is of course old school because everyone can just go online and blog and whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But the reading misses out on that personable kind of element we we're talking about before. You're not getting to know me if all of I'm sitting there like a robot, just reading, reading a couple mm-hmm. of pages.
0: Yep. Yep. What do people do that you've mimicked, that you love that you go, "Oh yes, I'm going to do more of that thanks. <laughs> oh
1: so i like the and you say this one very often that you kind of you frame the audience from the kind of top corners to the bottom corners i think that's quite important obviously looking at looking at them when you kind of feel like that the speaker is talking to you so having that kind of uh, direct line of sight with them trying to be a little Funny, I think, and cracking jokes, and even though no one laughs, I think it, if anything else, it makes you feel more at ease. <laughs> um, there are a yeah. few things like that, right? There's a there's a fine line. There's also a fine line between being too prepared and not prepared enough. Yeah, and that's a hard one. And you can see that's one of the things you quickly pick up from speakers. Um, going, okay, these were over prepared, and these
0: weren't prepared enough. Like that's. And that is a really interesting one. I must admit that I still grapple with that. I, I can count on one hand the number of times that I was prepared and it sucked, but then there are other times when I've walked in and I've been – I've felt completely unprepared because I'm like, geez, Kat, even you're taking the mickey, um, but it's been awesome yeah. and other times it hasn't been. So it's—it it is a very – yeah, it's a very that's a very interesting one. It's a very human one, actually. You have you have to feel it um, yourself.
1: Uh, and it's also your mood on the day, right? And and your it's like playing playing sport. Like if you're you know playing football, if you're performing or performing or anything of the sort, you know the way you were feeling, uh, the way you woke up that day, whether you frazzled or not, like all these things really fall into it and sometimes you're on a roll and you have the right words and they just come out and everything's and the audience is laughing and you stick to time and everything's perfect some other times you're just fumbling and it it doesn't mean that you're less prepared or there's something wrong with you it's just you know the magic might not necessarily quite be there
0: so on in the magic being there as we start to wrap up having seen all of the different speakers that you've seen When you can see that somebody's not having a great day and they're not in flow, what have they done to recover that is admirable, that kind of rescues the situation for them? Because there is those times where you just thought, oh, this isn't working, but they can still recover it. What have you seen them do? So it
1: depends if they realize, right, that they're in that situation or not. So if they're feeling a bit wobbly beforehand, I like making sure that they're comfortable, that they've had uh, a coffee that they know where the bathrooms are, that they have some time before the presentation that they can actually just be on their own, giving them that space, uh, both physically and, and mentally. Be on their own.
0: Yeah, be on their yeah. own. Yeah,
1: like um, if they're halfway through the presentation and it's sucking a little, it, it's kind of hard to recover from that because I reckon it's hard to tell. Um mm. There are some physical things, I think, by moving around on stage, that might help kind of break the mojo. Uh, if it's stopping sometimes. I've seen speakers when they feel like the audience, particularly moderators actually do this a lot, but I've seen this with speakers. If they feel like the audience are, are, I don't know, the, the energy is low or everyone's falling asleep, actually just going, we're going to take a second, like make them stand up, do something fun with them, and then make them sit down again. Like that's... That's another option. Sometimes you though so you need to be prepared. Videos in the middle are, are good too if there's something that lifts up the room. So there are a few things, but you do need to be aware, self aware.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. All right. I could talk for a very long time with you about this, but our listeners may not want to listen because you know brevity is important. So to close, given Everything that you do, and the number of speakers that you've seen, and the number of stages that you've spoken on yourself, what would be your number one speaking to?
1: Just go for it. I don't hold back. Uh, don't don't let your nerves take control of whether you're going to accept the speaking gig or not. Throw yourself into the uncomfortable, and uh, you know if it sucks, it sucks. Give try again just jump back right on the horse and don't worry too much about the, whether you know enough or the audience will like you or anything of the sort. Just go and give it a go and, yeah, some, some talks will be better than others but if you don't try, you will never, uh, you'll never get better.
0: Yep, yeah, exactly. If you don't do it, you can't get better and you can't learn how to speak without speaking. Like it's not a theoretical exercise. You have to get on the bike and fall off before you can figure it out. Yeah, definitely. There's no awesome. uh, no
1: amount of mirror practice that works here.
0: <laughs> In fact, the more mirror practice you do, the worse you get because then you overprepare and yeah, you suck. Awesome, Nadine. Thank you so much for joining me. I um I so I, I so love working with you, and I so love the people that you bring together I, I truly believe that you are the best in the world at bringing the right people to stages and thank you for lifting a little little bit on your process well thank you very
1: much for the kind words and ditto and I hope to anyone who's watching I definitely recommend joining Cat's program it uh, will make a world of difference
0: thank you Nad thank you we'll um, see you again very soon I'm sure thank you very much how good was that I really hope that you heard in there the the humanness that Nadine is looking for when she is filling or curating a conference and it's so different I think to what many people believe is being looked for it's not about the polish it's not about the seniority it's people with a different perspective with insight, with content, who can share it from the stage with vulnerability, with authenticity, with opinion, and with humanity. So I really hope that that conversation with Nadine has perhaps given you a bit of confidence, perhaps it's given you a bit of encouragement to say, you know what, I'm going to look for some of those speaking opportunities. Or next time somebody asks, I will say yes even though the nerves are telling you not to. Just say yes and step into it anyway. If you would like to talk more about this episode, if you would like to brainstorm perhaps topics or where you can find speaking opportunities, then head over to Speaking With Confidence on Facebook. That's Speaking With Confidence with Kat Matson on Facebook. Just find the group, answer a couple of quick questions and you will get instant access. Also, if you feel that maybe what you need to do is stop rambling before you can get those speaking opportunities, then my ebook, How to Stop Rambling, is available at ImpactfulPresenters.com. That's How to Stop Rambling and that's available at ImpactfulPresenters.com. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I look forward to seeing you again next week where I continue Conversations to inspire, to provide reassurance, and to provide practical tips and tricks in speaking with confidence. Until then, here's to confidence and here's to impact. I'll see you soon.